Do you suffer from uncontrollable flatulence while your troubles are about to be solved? Introducing Beefy Briefs, the underwear with a difference. Beefy Briefs have a unique design where the hidden layer of material is placed strategically in the garment. Due to this layer, it means every time you blow off, it will smell like a Sunday dinner, so you can toot to your heart's content. Coming soon to all major retailers and carveries. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 29 of Beer and Bunts. Um, now, slight change into normal proceedings. Um, basically, as you may have been aware, it, there's been a slight delay in our normal schedules. This, The main reason for this is because uh, James had to be taken into witness protection programme. So as a result of that, we haven't actually had uh, an ability to do any uh, recording at all. So for the meantime, what I've actually decided we're going to do is we're going to have a, a temporary special guest. So uh, not related to the subject whatsoever. My name is Chris and our temporary special guest is called Veruca. Hi, Veruca. Hi, Chris. <laughs> Love it. Loving being on this show. I'm a massive fan. I wonder what you were going to say then. Right. Yeah. So oh, we'll yeah. go straight into a tried and tested for this episode, which is oh. uh, Green Mountain from Thornbridge. Uh, I do believe Thornbridge are based in Derbyshire, which is uh, unrelated. Yeah, very close to where potentially I might be. Saying that, I wouldn't mind. The whole premise of the witness protection you've thrown on me now. I I purposely didn't tell you that because I wanted to see what your reaction would be like. Oh, I mean, my reaction is, I live in Burton-on-Trent, so you know what? Please do. They know that. It's out in public. They need to now move me as part of the witness protection. It's not safe for me to stay here anymore. Uh, yeah. So uh, Green Mountain uh, is a hazy Vermont session IPA. It's 4.3% in volume. Uh, it's very kind of like a yellowy golden colour. Obviously a slight haze to it, as you'd expect from this type of beer. Um Anything you want to have a quick nose? Are you picking anything up from it? Uh, not particularly picking much up. Maybe citrus, I suppose, is kind of the only kind of aroma I'm picking up, to be fair. Okay, well, I'll, give, I'll go through uh, the bit that's gone on the back. Yeah, Green Mountain is a Vermont style session IPA, which is generally dry hopped, creating a hugely aromatic and juicy fruit bomb. Uh, it drinks beautifully with just a light bitterness to keep it perfectly balanced. It's got Citra, Galaxy, Mosaic and Amarillo hops with a tropical fruit and a soft and juicy flavour. Would you agree? Okay. Uh, I would, yeah. I mean, first off, very cloudy, as you'd expect from a uh, hazy, to be fair, uh, but kind of cloudy orange. Yeah. You get orange. the orange. Oh, well, I think it's a bit well. more golden colour, personally. Golden. Yeah. Oh, this is where we, this is where we got two different cans, and it will be two different rooms. Well, I suppose <laughs> in the witness protection program, you can't complain. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, definitely picking up the uh, tropical notes and the uh, aroma of it. Um, Honestly, I, for me personally, I'm not getting that much complexity. If I'm honest, I'm not getting massive tropical kind of notes to it. I think I'm definitely getting citrusy notes to it, but. I wouldn't go as far as calling it tropical, in my opinion. Oh, no, I'll pick up the tropical. Um, but the whole point of a session IPA is it's an easy drinking drink. So there's enough yeah. there that you that draws you into the actual uh, drink, but you can drink it all day long without the flavours like becoming overbearing and overpowerful. Um, I think a lot of people have kind of got annoyed with the fact that session has kind of become a weaker sort of style beer. But to be honest, I think it's a perfect analogy of what it is. Yeah, 
Yeah, I know what you mean. I think for me though, it's it's also you know for what is an IPA, I say it's far more malty in aftertaste than kind of hoppiness. If I'm honest, I, I think I get far more malt from me. I kind of like uh, like as regular viewers would know, Veronica loves viewers. Viewers, again, I might as well. I'm in witness protection. What you're doing, Veronica? Veronica, this is Veronica's first time on the uh, the podcast, it's, right? It's Veronica, so, mate. Veronica, Veronica. I don't know. We'll, we'll change it all up. I think I'm thinking Veronica Salt from uh, from Charlie um, in the Chocolate Factory. Sorry, I mean, uh-huh. literally, this whole thing has thrown me so much. <laughs> completely put me off uh, but yeah i would say that i'm getting far more kind of more taste than hoppiness for me but then i like kind of a hoppy aftertaste so yeah, you, that's why because it's you love the big over. bitterness because you're a very bitter man yeah, um, i'm a very bitter man yeah <laughs> but yeah so i mean green bed you know it's one i've had quite a lot i actually quite enjoy the thornbridge beers i think they're um they're mainstream yeah, Paul's one of theirs as well isn't it second sorry Joy, Joy yeah, Joypur. Uh, yeah. We've had uh, Lucaria from them as well. Uh, I actually tried another one of theirs last night, which was uh, Jamestown, which is a New England IPA. Again, that was really good. Um, it's one of them ones where they're big enough as a brand that you can get their beers, um, but they're not. They're, there's still a lot of flavour and depth to yeah. the different type of beers that you can get. So I think it's a nice balance between kind of mainstream and the craft scene. Let's face it, like you know, not everybody can afford to spend like eight, ten pounds a can on a on a beer. Sometimes you actually yeah. just want something enjoyable, but still have that kind of feel to it. So, well, yeah, no, so I, I definitely agree. It's that consistent, simplistic, but you know, not overly complex either. Which is, is fair from a sessionable beer is what you want. Sometimes you don't want loads and loads of different flavors kind of combating each other. So I think you know, does does make it a very pleasant drink. Yeah, well, I agree. I agree. Mention definitely, if you haven't tried it, it's definitely worth a blast. Uh, right, yeah, so um, episode 29 was supposed to be our sub-special, which James signed us up for before we obviously got uh, you know, yeah, reported. Yeah. Um, so that is still in the works, but unfortunately we haven't got the availability to get um, get that sorted for now. So it will be a case of we'll just, uh, business will be as usual, until we can get it all sorted, which will probably be when lockdown ends now. Um, yeah, so how is witness protection? I mean, witness protection is good. I mean, you know, there, there isn't much to do in Burton-on-Trent. I don't know about the rest of the UK, but for some reason it's almost like the whole um, the whole city's in witness protection. Uh, everything's shut down, you know, it's very depressing. Yeah, and they don't even know when lockdown's happening. Yeah, they don't know. <laughs> They're just used to it. They're just used to it. But, um, I don't, yeah, it, it's, it's good. It's one of those, though. I mean... Um, I've, I've lived by myself before. I've never, you know, I've actually moved in with my girlfriend, and so it's like moving. In oh, with how is Doris? Doris is great, honestly. She's she's a bit deflated by the lockdown, but she's she's keeping up there, you know. Um, yeah, <laughs> don't look, don't look at me. Oh, uh, anyway, um, <laughs> so I'm just trying to keep a straight face. It's pretty hard. Anyway, we'll get the same. We're kind of getting those standard issues. I think you get when you move in together, just kind of locking heads over stupid things, and it's just. I'll tell you that the best one so far for me has been um, we went shopping uh, like the first day we moved in, you know, we're going for this big shop, right? You know, not got anything the big in this shop. The big shop, the first big shop. You always have that big shop, right? And so we do this. And of course, my girlfriend being the, the really smart, intelligent person, you know, it's not like she works in education or anything, you know, <laughs> goes and gets a trolley and comes back with a really small trolley. 
You know, so we end up playing Buckaroo for all these different <laughs> items into this tiny trolley. And like it's just overflowing. And 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 the thing is, she's also not not entirely stupid that she loads the trolley up with all these items, right? And then passes the trolley to me to then try and like push it around the supermarket and not have anything fall off of it. And it was just, it was honestly, it was it was getting on my nerves to be fair. Uh it's one of those. But, um, <laughs> You know, I think it's one of those, like, I don't know, it's like moving into a new city that I never properly explored. You know, being in witness protection, I'm not allowed out anyway, but um, <laughs> you know, it does make it a bit weird, whereas, like, it's it's not something I'm used to. There's just that kind of sense of unfamiliarity about it uh, for me. Yeah, that um, makes sense. And it's not like you have to go out there and explore and, you know, meet new people at the moment, because A, nothing's open, and B, everybody's distancing from you anyway, so when you should use that, but, you know, it's, uh, it's not a... A convenient start, shall we say. Yeah, it's the way I'm, you know, when I'm walking down a river and people literally throw themselves in the river to get away from me. That, that's when you know something's wrong with me. You know, that's not what's going on. Does people stop shouting the bells at you now? No, they still do. The bells, I don't, I don't, the bells. I don't, I don't know why. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is awful. I mean, what what did you, like, when you moved out with uh, your your now wife, what, what what were your thoughts? Your sister, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't want to. I don't know why I didn't want to. I didn't want to categorize her as that. I didn't want to bring her down to my level, you know, by association. But. I think there's there's always um when you're moving with somebody, it's the first six months where I think are always the key. So you always there's always things that it's never big things that you have an issue with. It's always the small things, and they niggle. You know, like yeah. when someone has a cup of tea and just leaves it on the side and goes away, you're like. It's not going to magic itself into the dishwasher. You know, we bought the dishwasher because we're too lazy to wash up. We knew that. So, you know, why are you not moving the cup? Yeah, but it's always it's always the little niggly thing. But after a while, you kind of get used to it. Yeah, you, you get used to the fact your, your mugs are going to be everywhere. They're not. Well, you, so you either get a compromise or you just learn to live with it. So, uh, yeah, take up still loads around my house. But <laughs> that was it, eight years old. To be fair, I think I'm I'm having the exact same issue. It's one of those where I, I just go into a random room and there's a there's a mug there from like a day ago, and I'm like, why is why is this here? Like, was I like how it's not where they were drinking it either? It's kind of in that halfway place where they clearly <laughs> have. A th- I'll, I'll pick the mug up. This needs to go towards the kitchen, but clearly that was too much for them. The weight of the mug brought them down halfway. They were like, <laughs> "I'll just put it down here," and you know, I'm sure it'll find its way over there by itself. You know, I don't want to get weighed down on my way to the kitchen. Just ah, oh, so yeah, it's it is that like you say, it's the little things that niggle at you. <laughs> um, but then at the same time, I'm sure you know, and, and I'm sure if my girlfriend was 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 on the podcast as another special guest, uh, she would be equally finding other things that I do that I have no idea that I do as well that I'm completely oblivious to. So I mean, you are a very irritating person, just to you know, confirm. <laughs> um. <laughs> wow. Oh. You know what? I missed you, Chris. I, <laughs> I will say, you know, for, for for our listeners, this is probably the first time we probably uh, actually chatted as well since I've moved out. To be fair, yeah. So uh, you know, especially it's kind of been very out. hectic over the last couple of weeks, hasn't it? So uh, you know, things haven't kind of been uh, normal yeah. for you. So you can't really have a normal catch up or anything. So uh, yeah, well, this actually been, uh, actually generally is like the first time we've uh, really had a normal natter so in which case i spent most of the time abusing you um all right very, very normal natter 
But yeah, Green Mountain by Thorbridge. That was uh, tried and tested for this episode. Definitely, definitely worth a blast if you've never tried it. I think it's got a nice little balance of it. Not If you're into your big hitters, probably not the one for you. But, you know, with a percentage, with that kind of uh, analogy, especially if you're just dipping your toe into the craft beer, just want to try something new, you're not too sure where to go, I would definitely recommend Green Mountain. Yeah, really enjoyable. Right, so uh, Peter Folk for this episode is from Eagle Brewery. We've had one of those before, which was the banana bread one in episode 14. Uh, this one I was quite intrigued with, so I thought I'd give it a blast. It's called Waggle Dance, and it's uh, a honey beer. Now, I'm not going to lie. I think this is going to be horrendous, but we have to try these things. So it's 5%. Um, it's called a flavoured ale. Um, that's their analogy. <laughs> that's that's their analogy that's yeah style flavor dale i mean cool thanks like, for that uh hops are challenger I mean, fugles and goldings to this day eagle brewery embraces different perspectives it means that while others may move cautiously we softly fearlessly that's exactly the same on every bottle isn't it that one uh buzz so. buzz you discovered sweet honey aromas seductive citrus and a healthy dose of bitter hops this perfect blend will make you waggle dance Okay, so that's a lot of rubbish. Isn't okay, it? well, this thing, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go first, Chris. I'll, okay, I'll so you, uh, I think there's a overall, I should say that's refined, so I don't think it's uh, suitable for our vegan uh, listeners. Um, it strangely does have a it's kind of like a golden ale crossed with a honey look. Which is quite strange. Yeah, really. I, I know what you mean from that, like the tinge of it. Like, yeah, it's, uh, like yeah. if you'd ever have a bottle of like, um, is like manuka honey. It's kind of like that yeah. kind of colour. Um, so it's very a very subtle tint of amber to it. Um, I mean, aroma's I get, a bit get, bland. I'm not really getting a lot of scent. You can get a little bit of sweetness from the honey, but that's literally all I'm thinking. That's I'm more. getting a little bit of sweetness from honey, I think. I mean, I'm expecting a pale ale, pretty standard, a bit of citrus and honey, I'd expect. I mean, is it a bit... Oh, your face is a bit... Okay. <laughs> this is going to be curious to know your thoughts. I don't know what that's supposed to be. Is it one of those where the honey's a bit too confused there's a flavour in there? It, the fair, all I can really taste is the honey. I'm not too sure if it's because of the uh, like the session I played we had before, but literally all I'm picking up is honey and I'm not really picking up a lot of beer flavour. It's quite strange, really. Also, it's, it's honey flavour that... Isn't like oh wow that's honey. It, it's very lingering as well, and it kind yeah. of builds and grows on you as well, which is really strange. <laughs> it is quite refreshing. I, I thought I would say straight off the bat, if you don't like honey, this is not the beer for you. <laughs> quite Why is that? Um, you, well, I know it's it's complicated for you, Chris, but I'm sure you know our listeners who are much smarter than you uh, will, will, will get that. It's fine. <laughs> right. Yeah. So. Um... It's it's like a very weak bitter with no kind of defining flavour to it. Um, but you do get that kind of... It's a, I wouldn't say pungent. I think pungent is too much of a strong word for it. Um, but there is a definitely a distinct honey flavour that does, like you say, linger through the whole taste of it. There's not a lot of body to it. There's not a lot of complexity to it. Right. It is literally just a very weird honey flavoured drink. I mean, if I'm honest, it's one of those where I feel like if the honey wasn't there, this would be like one of the worst kind of, 
I don't know, almost blonde ale kind of flavour to it because it's so subtle. You know what? Blonde I mean? ale, but not without the blonde flavour. There's nothing yeah, exactly. to it. It's, it's so, yeah. The strangest part like for say, me I, it is be the fact Well, it's 5%. That does not taste 5% at all. If anything, I'd say, I would right, actually give that to my two year old. It tastes like pop. It's, there's just nothing. Yeah, to be fair, that that is something I hadn't really thought of. But yeah, how about 5%? I have no idea. So, uh, yeah, I've. I've got to be honest. Well, would, I mean, you, would you say this is a perfect blend? Does it make you want to waggle dance or not? No. No. No, me neither. Me neither. Just, let's not uh, give away. Let's not give away the final bit. But um, I mean, we're not even giving away the final bit. It's just giving our analogy. It's just. Yeah. It doesn't really. It's not really anything. It's at this point. I mean, this is where, and I think me and you have talked about this on the on the podcast before. I would would love to have Ugger here. But it's of course banana bread, the, mm. the Eagle Brewery one we had before, was actually recommended by Ugger. We're a big fan of Ugger. Um Good and, and, for and, anybody who hasn't seen episode 14. Yeah, <laughs> and, we, and we should say, you know, for two pounds a month, you two can sponsor Ugger and get him on the podcast. Uh, with us. But you know, he he has to walk ten miles for a banana bread beer, and we think that's unacceptable. And we want to do something to stop that, really, don't we? In this day and age, um, but I don't know. This class is an essential it's, journey. It is essential, yeah. Uh, it's banana, right? That's fruit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm curious because I'm guessing he would have tried this because this is the kind of yeah, beer I thought I think so. He, go for so i'd be curious to know what you know this is where i wish you know it was vision we had ugger cam and we could just swap to him just nodding or or like julius caesar like just thumbs down or thumbs up well it's like from the fast show isn't it the uh, jazz club mm, nice um as you just say in the corner like yeah. silently just drinking away into oblivion um right so yeah that was wackle dance from eagle brewery it's a honey drink I can't even classify it in beer. It's just a honey drink. Uh, right, so um, I've actually discovered a new TV show, James. I know I'm a little bit behind the times um, because there's two series out of this, but I haven't actually watched the first one. Uh, me and my wife are just flicking through. There was nothing to really grab our attention across any of the uh, streaming services. You know what it's like when you kind of exhaust all the ones you actually want to watch. Um, and we decided to put on a episode of a show that I'd seen snippets of on Facebook. So this show is uh, called Staged. Okay. And if you've seen it? No? Um, I, don't, I don't know if I have, no. Okay, so basically what Staged is, is a TV show filmed during lockdown from the social distancing aspect with Martin Sheen and David Tennant. Yeah, um, yeah, I I've seen clips of it on Facebook as well, actually. Now, now yeah. yeah. Well, to be honest, I've, I've never really watched the clips properly on Facebook. I thought it was like, oh, they're just trying to pedal something, and I can't be bothered to watch them. Um, it wasn't actually until we like stumbled across it that we realised it was actually a, a genuine TV series. So, basically, essentially, what it is, um, this director called Simon has agreed to do a theatre play with David Tennant and. Martin Sheen, obviously lockdown has happened. And what uh, the director wants to do is rehearse the play over Zoom, you know, just to kind of keep them fresh. So when everything now opens up, the whole idea is they can go straight into the theatre. They don't have to do that six months of preparation. They yeah. can just go in and earn the money straight away. <laughs> That's essentially the premise of it. Um, now, <laughs> it's actually very little about the play itself. 
<laughs> it's essentially more about David Tennant and Martin Sheen in their own little lives being driven mad by lockdown. Well, there is a quintessential, quintessential Britishness to it. So, um, <laughs> like for me personally, Martin Sheen, I think is an absolutely fantastic actor. Anyway, I think yeah, yeah, I think he's very, very underrated. Obviously, we all know what how good David Tennant is. I always um, say, is it Martin Sheen or Michael? Sheen? I thought it was Michael Sheen. What have I said? Martin. Did I say Martin? Martin Sheen. Yeah, you keep saying Martin. Yeah, I think so. I do apologize, Michael Sheen. Yeah. I don't even know what I'm saying, Martin. Yeah, I, was just, I, I heard it a few times. I'm like, is he saying Martin? I think, I think he's saying Martin. I thought I was saying Michael. Oh, well, but yeah, Michael Sheen. Yeah. yeah. Um, In the playback, it'll all come through. There we go. Either I look like I pitch you up on nothing, or yeah, it all makes sense. Well, we'll see. Uh, we'll I don't see. think I said that. I thought I said Michael, but we never know. Um, yeah, but basically, there was one uh, episode where he's talking about how much wine he's been drinking like since lockdown started. So uh, what he decided he was going to do when he told uh, David Tennant that he was going to sneak some of his wine bottles into his neighbour's recycling under the cover of night, you know, which is you know, a very British thing to kind of do to try and hide how much you drink. Um, I see me and my neighbours are quite clever. We share a box and no one knows actually where the alcohol's from. So... <laughs> But uh, yes, uh, it does that. And anyway, the uh, following day, she comes back with his wine bottles, <laughs> saying, uh, "I believe these are yours." He's like, "No, no, 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 they're not mine. They're not mine." Yeah, little did he know that there was a CCTV camera. So essentially, he's being blackmailed by an eighty-four-year-old woman in Wales uh, to go and uh, do like her shopping and things like that. It's absolutely brilliant. Oh, but it's. Yeah, this, I like this, that. It's such a British thing to do as well, because the shame of putting your recycling yeah. out for the world to see the amount of alcohol. We're lucky that, you know, because we live in flats, we've got kind of communal areas, but of course, mm. like, we've got to take a box of recycling down, so we, we try and do it when nobody's around, so we can just quickly dump and run, you know, <laughs> but, um, yeah. Oh, that. No, there's, there's lots of other sort of little things, so um, also featured in there is, like, David Tennant's wife and uh, Michael Sheen's um girlfriend um this director simon who's actually he actually genuinely is the person who wrote the tv series and stuff as well uh he's kind of like down on his luck uh struggling to cope and everything like that so like sneaks into his sister's house because she thinks she's away and then she comes back and then starts roasting him or that type of thing like yeah there's just it's one of those things of uh we only intended the reason why we put an episode on was because we thought it was going to be a case of well we're too tired for a, a film. So we'll just watch an episode, maybe two of something, and then we'll go to bed. Yeah, we smashed the whole first series in one night. So, which is probably longer than a film. Yeah. <laughs> but, you, but that's when you know it's good as well, when you yeah. can, when you can't turn it off because it's so funny. Oh, yeah, that's I'm, definitely something I'll look for, to be fair. Well, it's all on the BBC iPlayer uh, for our American listeners. Um, I don't know if it'll be on uh, BBC America or something, like that, but there'll be some sort of streaming service. Maybe Netflix uh, might sure, have something sure like that. Yeah. Um, I believe the first series on Netflix in the UK, so it may be on there. Um, it's but, good because Michael Sheen and David Tennant have such a good chemistry because they they did um, Good Omens together, didn't they? Well, I started uh, watching Good Omens, but um, it was quite a lot going on, so I was like, I'll come back to this when I'm a bit more in a decent headspace for it, and I've never gone back. But I, lo- I love. Uh, You've never my- got into that headspace. 
No, not really. But I love Michael Sheen. I think he's such an underrated actor. I think he's so talented. And mm. David Tennant, I know you followed more of his work than me. The only real thing that I've seen him in is uh, Jessica Jones, and he was amazing as yeah. uh, Kilgrave, and that, that was just yeah. like, superb. I, I just, David Tennant in anything, to be fair. And like, I the thing is, like, don't get me wrong, I've, I've always liked Doctor Who and stuff like that, but I think things like Broadchurch and some of the stuff he's done since then has been so much better. I've never actually watched Broadchurch. I know we've got a... Uh, a big hype, but I'm just never, it's never some look like something I would enjoy. Yeah, yeah I'm trying to remember what was the one he did with um, as the serial killer on like Channel 4. Oh, that was, was it something like Dez? De- yeah, it was Dez, wasn't it? Like, and yeah. like he just played such a good serial killer, but like you say, I think it's that villain role. He actually, yeah, he's so cool and collected, and you know, it, it just works. He's so kind of blunt in the way he comes across that. Yeah, it's calculating this too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, his delivery to it is just amazing. So, yeah, no, I'll, def- I'll definitely uh, definitely look at watching that. Yeah, the second series is out. I believe they're on about uh, making a third. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching that second series. I just need to get a bit of time to watch it now. But I mean, my, my plan is in the next uh, two weeks, really, to get it all smashed up, so... <laughs> Yeah, really, really good, really enjoyable. So if you get a chance to watch it, definitely, definitely give it a blast. Um, along the lines of actual TV shows as well is, uh, we spoke previously about the different shows that James May does on Amazon Prime. Okay. Well, Richard Hammond has created a new TV show on Amazon Prime as well, and it's called The Great Escapists. Have you seen it? I have. I so I watched. I watched the first episode. I think before you did, and so we kind of tabled it until you'd seen it. And yeah, so yeah, I watched I, the first episode of it. Uh, and I'm not going to lie. Um, as much as I love James May's stuff, this was dog shit. Oh, thank God you're going to say that. It's one of the worst <laughs> things I've ever seen. It's it's American. It's cheesy and it's terrible. MythBusters, who is his co-star? His co-star used to be on MythBusters. Cannot remember his name because let's be honest, for the British audience, he's un like he's very forgettable. <laughs> um, but the truth is it, the whole premise of like them being on the island and how they escape so they try and do it in this cheesy way of them being arrested in prison and they're kind of telling the story back a little bit and it's just it, yeah it just it, it was almost like how Top Gear used to be like by the end of that kind of forced comedy and humour yeah. but like turned up by a hundred and like I, I just think like you didn't have the rapport or the kind of you know, let's say the degraded humour that you have with, you know, yeah. with the trio, it just didn't work. And, you know, I will say, like, James May stuff by himself, even his new cookery show, I loved. Oh, it was amazing. Oh, it was funny. <clears throat> and the way that he had, like, his um, cookery producer in the cupboard and stuff like that, and it's just that kind of behind-the-scenes stuff. And when it switches off and you can actually see the crew behind the scenes and, like, it's, it's very meta in the way it's done of this is how a cookery show should be versus how we're actually doing it, which I thought was quite funny. Um, but yeah, have, have, we, have we ever talked about Oak Cook? I don't know if we we have. I feel like we might have talked about it off off of the podcast. Yeah, probably we talk about all that crap anytime, don't we? But yeah, I, I mean, yeah. if you're, if we have talked about it, apologies. But if um, if not, it's literally just a simple. He can't cook, so he's just trying to make things look uh, tasty and appetising with the help of a celebrity chef, support chef who basically helps all these celebrity chefs do all the preparation and stuff like that, and it's all around that. And, but the thing is with that that makes it brilliant is its simplicity. Yeah. And I think that's what works with a lot of James May shows, the simplicity in what he does and actually just focusing on the actual information or the delivery of what he does makes them good, where, yeah, The Great Escapists is, 
continuity doesn't add up because, like, oh, yeah, we, we haven't got anything, we're stranded, we're stuck, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, two minutes later, they've like, got massive, like, carts to uh, race around them. You haven't built that in a day, have you? You know, they, it just... Yeah, yeah. It just didn't work. It's horrendous. I, I feel like it was that American cheesiness, whereas actually, if they'd gone down the roots of kind of in the Top Gear elements that they used to do, of kind of bare-bones, minimalistic kind of like you say, realistic kind of crafting something out of nothing would have been far more enjoyable to watch and see. Yeah. But, you know, it, it just, yeah, it was almost like, oh, here's a car made in a, from Desert Island bits left over from a crashed plane. Like, yeah, no, I've, bit, for me, it just yeah. didn't work. But, no. you know, you have to try these things, otherwise, you know, other people will start watching them and that's the, you know, we don't want to support this type of behaviour at all. Uh, right, right, so... <laughs> The Peter Falk for this episode was Waggle Dance. Uh, it's a honey beer, but it wasn't really a beer. If anything, the best analogy I can give it is like a lemon and honey locket. Right. So the around the world that's for this. Such a good, that's such a good description, actually. <laughs> I, did you think of that before, or did you just No, I literally, as I, as I was finishing no, it off, like necking in the glass, I was like, that's just what it tastes like. Or a lemsip. I'm not going to lie, you're completely right. <laughs> it, it is that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if you around the world for this episode, it's one that's quite um, easy to get hold of. So it's Goose IPA it's from Goose Island. Uh, it's a elk mountain farm. No, oh, it's brewed in elk mountain farm, which is in the US, I believe. Da, 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 da. I did actually find the information for this one. I can't remember where it's gone. Oh, well, but it's actually brewed in America anyway and actually imported over 5.9%. It's an IPA. It's fairly standard. It's quite similar in look to the Waggle Dance. So you kind of got that slight golden ambery colour to it. Uh, it is refined. So again, I don't think it's suitable for our vegan friends. But yeah, I mean, we've had this many times. So what's your verdict or analogy on the, uh, like, what flavours are you picking up from it? Because I don't think this one gives you a breakdown of what you've got. It does not. I thought so. I think it's one of those to the Goose IPA that I think, although, again, you have the citrus, it's far more floral um, in terms of some of the complexity. Um, so I'd almost go, it sounds really pretentious when you say, oh, I can, you know, pine, but it's kind of floral <laughs> pine kind of taste. The way you uh, say pine, it sounds pretentious. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? But, it, it, you know, I, 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 <laughs> it is one of those where I think you do get far more of the floral piney taste to it um, in terms of the, the composition, but yeah. I'll get more of a mahogany scent. Mahogany, um, oh yeah. Well, I, I, I thought maybe birch, <laughs> but I, you know, that's more of a seasonality thing. But yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's got a very uh, hoppy smell to it. The aroma, the actual taste itself, it is an IPA, but it's not a massively big hitting one. Um, it's more. You can tell there's multiple hops, but they're quite well balanced, so you could easily confuse it by having just one hop in it. Um, yeah. But otherwise, it. You know it's not because otherwise I'd slap like single hops all over the front of it and stuff. But as a as a drink, it has got that more of a bitterness than something like the session IPA. But it is very it's it's not complex at all. You know, it's, I don't know. I, I I think it's a bit more complex though in terms of the kind of floral taste. Because you were saying that to be awkward. I am, I am, but I think I'm comparing it to like Green Mountain, which I got far more citrus to it. Whereas actually, I find this one a little bit more tropical in my opinion. If I'm honest, it's almost like grapefruit. Like it's kind of a mixture of citrus and grapefruit for me. I well, know exactly what you mean. It's kind of along the lines of like uh, twisted nuts or Elvis juice in that kind of respect. 
yeah and that's thing i think there is there there is more to it that you know i think i'm more like something like honey coming from there um, yeah to be fair it might be it might be the fact of um what we've come from could make it a very very different but i think anything where you have kind of a herby beer I think it's one of those where different people are going to pick up different layers anyway to true, it. True. Um, and I think it is one of those where, you know, it, it sometimes can be a bit more complex in my so opinion I, with that. Well, I don't have to pick up any of the tropical at all. I do get the citrusy stuff, but I don't really get the tropical fruit to what you said. But I do get, there is a slightly more, it's kind of like a more toned down version of like Lagunitas, that type of yeah. beer, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you, they do like to like dry hop things a bit more to get a bit more bite to make it a bit more a in that type of style and i think that kind of comes across but it's not overpowering so yeah nice and easy drinking all around okay yeah i agree yeah, so um so we touch on a little bit of sport then james oh sorry veronica um god yeah chris <laughs> otherwise i have to move me out of burton that'd be a shame wouldn't it um yeah i think uh, Yes, uh, sport-wise, well, I suppose we could do the Six Nations for a little bit. So, uh, Six Nations has been a very, very strange competition. Very strange competition. Around. England, you know, we'll, we'll put to one side for a second, but well, how just... glad are you that? How glad? Well, put they put aside from the start, but how glad are you that Wales lost the Grand Slam? Um, well, it's, it's quite <laughs> funny I... you should say that because <laughs> I, I mean I did share a post on my. Um, my private Facebook, like the uh, I, the, pe- the people it, cheering yeah. on uh, Wales for a Grand Slam in red, which is Wales, uh, and it was like people cheering on France to stop <laughs> Wales winning the Grand Slam, and it was like literally the whole of Europe in blue. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, because I watched had the misfortune of watching the England game beforehand, which was utterly horrendous. Um, I actually love Ireland as well, right? <laughs> uh, well, I do believe there's only one of us that's gone um, very anti-Irish on this podcast, James, and it's not me. Um, <laughs> you forgot about that, didn't you? I had forgot about that. I tried <laughs> to set myself up for that, that misery, yeah. No, but yeah, I watched that, and then yeah, I was feeding time at the zoo, or feeding my son, as most people call it, and then uh, <laughs> when I went back in, I saw the score, and Wales was like, quite well ahead. I decided I was, you know... I'd, Suffered enough that day, so I didn't bother watching any of the uh, rest of the game. So I just decided I was going to chill out and watch the Joker instead. Now, my neighbour is also a big rugby fan, and I knew that France had beat Wales, sh- like solely down to the like the volume of shouting <laughs> that he was doing, that I could hear him crystal clear. And my wife sent me a message saying, can you hear shouting? I was like, yeah, I think France have uh, just won. And that's Steve next door. <laughs> that's hysterical. That's it, because it was, it, was, it was that kind of nail-biting, like, last five minutes. Because like, I think it was, like, 76th minute there was a try, and then it was, like, in overtime there was, there was another try. Because I remember my friend, like, messaged me, with like a few minutes left saying, France, France might actually do this. France might actually come back. And they just, the drive they showed was just insane. It was just, they, they suddenly got their energy back out of nowhere and, and came back. It was, it was, yeah, it was actually like really good rugby to watch by the end of it. It was kind of, I think it started off quite disappointing though. Like you say, I think it was a bit one-sided to start with, but um, yeah, France definitely brought it. I don't think the officiating has really helped uh, the tournament this, in this yeah. tournament because... 
and then it seems to be like the refs have been getting involved in a lot rather than things like letting things play. I mean, obviously, I appreciate all the uh, anything near the head to try and change the game makes perfect sense. But I think there was a lot of um, rather than letting the game flow and see if anything develops, so that quite happens to yeah. ping people, and it kind of ruins the sport a little bit in that way, it's like the spectacle of it, sort of not the sport, but you know, as an enjoyment aspect of it, if you can't just let things flow. People get bored. No one yeah. wants to see a TMO as they're assessing things. You know, that's but that's my no. personal opinion. <clears throat> I find this interesting because I can't I can't remember his name. You um you remember the oh he's like the Welsh referee that officiates a lot of the games. Yeah, he was he was on a BBC interview and he was actually saying like the hardest thing that refs are finding at the moment without spectators more so than the actual players is it makes them far more technical and makes them far more you know with TMOs and stuff that actually looking at the game in, in so much detail that they don't think about it as a sport. They think about it in this is the role, this is the rule, yeah. this has got to be the play. And it, it does, it does change the whole mindset of a referee because actually with the crown behind you, depending on reactions, that does have a massive impact on what your decision might True. be potentially because actually you can kind of gauge was that me or was that not? And you, you know, that kind of has an impact on the mindset of the referee. Whereas without that, they actually, you know, tend to rely more on TMOs or tend to rely more on kind of a technical standpoint of the rule book. And it, it does change it a lot. Um, and I think they said that about a few different sports, actually. Um, so I did think that's kind of an interesting insight, to be fair. Kind of yeah, yeah. the impact, you know, no spectators on the referee as opposed to players. So. No, I understand that. And that makes make perfect sense as well. Um, I just... It's been a strange tournament because I think uh, a lot of other teams have actually improved in their quality overall. Uh, but I do think, um, I think. I mean, Italy, Italy for one, right? They're, they're the best team. <laughs> actually, fair. I think certain parts of the play have improved. But again, I, I, it's just. Isn't that... this their worst? Isn't this their worst record of any Six Nations? Yeah, but the thing is, though, there's a difference in record and technique. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, if, if one of the things, if you're trying to build a structure and actually get some things implemented then you know you have to go through those like hard steps to to learn from it to adapt that style of play and move forward so i understand what's happening the problem is they just never seem to do that it's like yeah. they'll change everything get all the findings see what didn't work cool uh, but rather than just do the small tweaks and fine tune like that we'll, we'll completely change everything you know but no you just what you're doing is going back to square one and that's yeah. the reason why they keep on staying so far behind because they just don't do those small, small hard yeah, work like, steps, really. They, they figure out what's not working and instead of fixing the things they figured out, they just replace everything because that's yeah. easier. Yeah, yeah. basically. Because yeah. they want a quick fix and it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, but no, I think I think certain aspects actually made some good steps forward. But again, to, the biggest thing they uh, struggle with is their fitness. When it comes to playing against the other teams, they, when it comes to the last twenty minutes, they know anybody team like any team knows that they can walk over them. So, you know, realistically, it's not a massive issue for anybody. And that, but you can always play with confidence as well, which yeah. obviously good for what, the opposition team. But yeah, what what's your thoughts on England and like Eddie Jones then? In terms uh, to be honest, I think um, all of a sudden is highlight what I've said all along that. When his game plan works, it's fine. But when his game plan doesn't work, he just hasn't got that adaptability to no. move forward. I personally don't think it's actually a knock on Eddie Jones for the, this performance in the tournament. Just picking certain players, maybe, because you know they weren't match ready and it was completely obvious as well. 
But actually, I think one thing that has highlighted was how much of it was Eddie Jones and how much was it actually Steve Borthwick? Because Steve Borthwick has now moved to Leicester from the England camp to become their head coach. And actually, the steps that Leicester have started making and like the impact and the intensity and stuff is kind of coming through, but coming away from England. So it does actually make you wonder, is it, was it actually brought the call along? And actually, yeah. Eddie Jones was just the figurehead for it. But, you know, only time will tell. But um, France, France were absolutely stunning. I mean, all tournament, even the England-France game, which is the only decent game that England actually played, as a game, I mean, France were absolutely outstanding. The, the, the halfback pairing that they've got, the 9 and 10, they're, considering they're young as well, I mean, they're going to be really exciting to watch yeah. and develop moving forward. France are a really exciting team to watch at the minute. So I think they're going to be good and it'll be interesting to see what they do in the World Cup as well. Um, yeah, I think Wales have kind of gone to that stage where they're starting to decline a bit now. So, yeah. you know, yes, they come close to winning the Grand Slam, but it's the age of the players and you're going to start seeing it drop off at some point. So, you know, I think Alan Wynne-Jones must be about 170 if he's a day, but he's still playing, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> So like I say, some of the other teams might be a bit behind at the moment, but at least they're ahead of training some of the young players. Yeah, and I think actually that's a clever thing. Do you change, massive change now, take the hit, move, build for the future, so actually you haven't got to do that later on? Because you wouldn't know you're going for a World Cup, so it's not what's in front of in the Six Nations. It's what's going to be in there in three years' time or two years' time. So, yeah, you know, really stick that's the most important thing. Um, but yeah, so that's Six Nations. Uh, I have also, unfortunately, been watching... Uh, England cricket team as well, James. Okay. Uh, which have managed to lose both the T20 uh, series and the Test series. So, all in all, it's been good. <laughs> so, basically, what you say is you need to stop watching England games because uh, clearly you're the kiss of death when it comes to watching them. I mean, I'm the kiss of death on most things, aren't I, really? So, yeah. I mean, if it wasn't I for. Uh, I want to say. If it wasn't for Tampa Bay Lightning uh, winning, <laughs> like last year, the true. Stanley Cup. Yeah. They're still looking good. Jinx, touch wood, but they're still looking good, aren't they? The current standings, like. Well, yeah, considering the, the top scorer has not even played yet as well. So, yeah. it should be back for the playoffs. That'll be interesting. But um, to be honest, um, with the NHL, I do think this new format, I don't know if everybody's, we've explained it before, but um, very briefly touch on it. Due to the COVID restrictions and everything in North America, what they've done is locked teams down so they can only play within their own little demographic. So you've got a northern one, which is solely in Canada. You've got the east one for the eastern seaboard, west for the Pacific seaboard, and obviously central one just for all the odd extra teams. Um, but actually, I think it's made for some interesting competitive like games, really, because you're playing teams that you wouldn't normally yeah. play on a regular basis, but you're playing them very frequently and actually getting up close and personal with these teams. And I think it's been really interesting. So what's your take on it? No, I, I agree. Because I, I think for me, like, let's be honest, Ducks aren't the strongest team at the moment. Like, they're, they're definitely in a... Well, I argue with you very strongly there, James. I mean, they're going to be the strongest because they're at the bottom holding everybody else up. Um... <laughs> but I, I think for me, it's interesting, like you say, seeing them play teams that wouldn't normally play. I would say, I think the West Division is probably some of the weakest teams and they're still doing pretty badly, if I'm going to be honest. I love the fact you stick probably in there. Well, probably. I... I... <laughs> I'm trying to help boost. It's, it's essentially two teams followed by garbage. Yeah, pretty much. Um, 
I, I mean, to be fair, for me personally, it's it's one of those with Ducks where, it, you know, they've got some good players that are kind of new to the game and hopefully they can come bolster that talent. I will say the last couple of games with Ducks, they've, they've tried different team combinations uh, with their front line and that seems to be working a little bit with like Omri and there's a new guy called Zagreb, I think, who's, who's relatively, like, I think he drafted 2019-2020. So he's like a, a new left wing and, and actually they've, they've had a bit of consistency Jinked, which I would honestly say from an offensive side, Ducks have never had consistency in offensive for more than one or two games. So the fact that they have a bit of consistency there is good. Um, but I think very much, you know, it's, it's a similar thing you said about, you know, the rugby in terms of uh, the Welsh team. You know, they, they have a lot of old players who are very talented that they, they heavily rely on. And actually the young talent is where they fall down. Um, and I think hopefully this might be a way towards that. But at least on the broad side for Wales, at least they won things. Well, they, they win some games. They're not the worst team in there. They are. They're, they're the second. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they say they, Sabres, I think, are just marginally worse. So, oh, um, yeah, true, true. But yeah, yeah I think Ducks, in the. Uh... Ducks, are, Ducks are nine <clears throat> to 17. So, nine wins, 17 losses. I think Sabres are six wins, 19 losses. Well, the one thing I do love players. about the. Uh, I saw a thing on Facebook the other day because one of those young players you were talking about scored their first goal. And it was basically the most Ducks thing I've ever seen. So, uh, the captain gets that I wanted to, you know, uh, surprise him. Because he'd scored his first goal, so gets all these players into this secondary room, and yeah, but didn't get anybody anybody with a camera to hide, so it didn't like yeah, it wasn't a surprise thing. And then the bloke just walked into the next room, and he's the most lackluster. Yay! I was like, well, that was the most pointless thing I've ever seen, but also the most ducks thing I've ever seen. (laughs) Right, so. the Goose IPA was the around the world for this episode. Again, easy to get a hold of, but very standard. Um, something that we drink a lot of. It's it's always an easy go-to, so definitely worth a blast. Uh, right, so the uh, wild card for this episode is from Brew York, and it's called oh. Juice Forsyth. So this is a juicy bonus fruited IPA, which is 5%. Um, I'm very excited for this. I'm not like this. This, this, I think it's going to be good. Well, I've got to be honest. I don't know. You'll have to correct me on this because you know, obviously, some of our sampling sessions from years ago uh, before we started doing the podcast. I don't actually think I've had a brew York beer before, which is quite surprising because I've always looked at the beers. I just don't think I've ever actually tried one. I don't um, think we've had one together. No, I, I, I think I've had one or two from random cans that I've had out and about. Um, to be fair. Again, they tend to always patch, uh, pack a lot of punch as well. That's the thing. They are very fruity, very flavorful beers. So if that's anything to go by, I think this this will be will be incredibly good. Well, it's got um, a very hazy look were... to it. It's very uh, kind of yellow, golden in color as well. It, it does look. I, don't, I think it's weird to kind of explain, but it has got a juicy look to it. You look in a bit. It's kind of a little bit like a New England IPA and that sort of stuff. Because you always look at a New England and go, Ooh. yeah. Just looks, looks I, I first quenching. Yeah, it definitely looks like that. So um, while you're having a nose and a swing, I'll quickly have a look. Uh, good game, good game. Obviously, not till Brucey. Uh, do you want to go higher? Higher? Okay, that's a bit too much. Uh, then enjoy this uh, juice bonus fruited IPA that combines Cascade, Citra, CTZ, and Mosaic hops with Muchos pineapple, uh, passion fruit, and mango. Oh, mango. 
For a tropical explosion as bold and juicy as the legendary entertainer, this salutes. Nice to see you, to see you. And there's put dots. They didn't even finish it. Uh, right, so what's your verdict on the old... Um, yeah, you're looking a bit confused. Oh, no, I, I think that's an, that is really pleasant. I'm hoping you'll really like that. So that is a really good fruity um, kind of body to it. Um, I think you can well, definitely... smell take- fruity. Yeah, you can definitely taste the pineapple, passion fruit, mango separately as well. Like, actually, you can taste the different layers. And then also that, for me, quite pleasant hoppy aftertaste as well. So you kind of go from that fruity into the hoppiness, which at least makes you know it's a beer, because I think without that, you would just think you were drinking fruit juice without that kind of hit of hops at the end. Yeah, um, you can definitely get the hop at the end. It's um, I kind of get the initial smell of the pineapple and passion fruit. And they're the two main fruits that I pick up when I first take a swig. Yeah, then follows it with the mango, but then that slight bitterness from that hop just grabs sorry, it. Sorry, a what, bit of what, a... fruit was, what fruit was that? Mm, mango. Um, yeah, it's, it, it is a very, very juicy one. There is a lot of sweetness to it as well, but like you say, that, just the hop at the end just gives you that little bit of something different. It's not like the blandness you got from the Waggle Dance. It's very much more, you know, it's there. And it's giving yeah. you a bit of a wake up, but because they're very citrusy in the type of hops they've used, it does lend itself quite nicely to the fruit. Oh, I think that's uh, quite pleasant. I think that I, I think it's one of those where it's complex, but it's not overly so that it's confused. Um, and yeah, it's, just, it, it's, it's, re, it's really well balanced. Again, five percent. I think you you get a little bit of that from the hoppiness at the end. But outside of that, it's so fruity you would not think that is uh, a particularly strong beer at all. Well, one thing I do like as well is on the can, they gave you a spider graph of like kind of how the beer's balanced. And I, th- I think their analogy is pretty much spot on, if I'm honest. Yeah, no, f- f- kind of more fruity, sweet. More fruity, sweety, with a little bit of hop, a little bit of bitterness, a little bit of mouthfeel, a little bit of malt. Man. So I've seen that spider graph on a few beers and I do like it because it does give well, you... I, I think it's good. Uh, it's kind of the thing. Of, you, you're trying to let people know who aren't necessarily into like, craft beers like what to kind of expect. And what's I think the can design is fantastic though as well. What, what's your view of the cuddly toy rating underneath the spider graph? Oh, I think it's brilliant. It's, uh, oh. I'm not quite sure when what reference it is supposed to be to. Like obviously I know generation game, but like how what makes it the four bear out of the five bears? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I will say just it, that is that is a very pleasant beer. I think for, for an iconic person like Bruce Forsyth, are you a fan of Bruce Forsyth? I mean, I grew up around Bruce. Or you bought, yeah, yeah. Bruce, Bruce, he was on every single Saturday night TV show when I was growing up, mate. So uh, if you didn't like him, you didn't watch telly, it's quite simple. Um, but yeah, I love the uh, Generation game. I thought it was fantastic. And uh, Play Cards, right, as well. I mean, yeah, some of, the, some, of the, some of the best kind of like TV shows that there have ever been. So when they come yeah. on... And like, Price is right. Track. Basically, it was um, all the big games over... Game shows in America in like the eighties and nineties. They were pretty much all hosted by uh, Bruce Forsyth in the UK, and to be fair, they were fantastic. So he just had that personality to talk to the audience because there were so audience participation kind of games. Right? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. And and also it's the fact that I think compared to a lot of other kind of hosted game shows, he didn't like making fun of the contestants when they were being stupid or were wrong as well like he didn't mind pointing them out yeah oh no he quite happily mocked somebody there was none of this yeah. uh let's be nice to people and that's what we like yeah. to all right yeah. james Whereas I think 
modern game shows, they've lost that. They're too polite to contest. Oh, it's all right. Whereas actually you kind of want them to laugh in their face and say, why the hell did you pick that answer? Yeah. You know, it's just- Everyone's a winner. No, you're not. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I think it's time for you to pick your order first, uh, Veruca. So what way are you going to go? Okay, so in last place, okay, and I'm sure Ugga would probably put this at the front, but uh, Waggle Dance, uh, that did not make me want to dance. Um, and I will say, fr- from, from the start here, all four beers are very drinkable. You know, they're all very sessionable. There's no beer here that is, like, revolting or has, you know, I will definitely never drink it ever again. But I think Waggle Dance for me was just so nothingy and just honey that, you know... It, you know, it's it's not offensive, but there just wasn't much there to grab me, um, in my opinion. Uh, I would then put Thornbridge Green Mountain, okay? A bit more complex. I think I do like um, the beer. I think for me, like I said, it was far more malty than hoppiness. I think I'd want a bit more hops to it. I think the actual flavour of the beer was good, but I just want a bit more hoppiness from an IPA, personally. Uh, I then would go Goose Island, Goose IPA. Um, honestly, we both have this so much. We really like this beer. And so for me personally, it, it, it's always something that I kind of go towards. Um, and so it has to be second. And then Juice Foresight, I just, I think it's so pleasant. It's one of those where it's such a good combination of flavours, a bit of complexity to it. It's really fruity. And also, like I say, it's the fact that it's got that hoppiness at the end that kind of makes you know it's a beer still. Because sometimes when we've had things like the milkshake mango, uh, mango milkshake, sorry, into yeah. beers, they are fruity, but sometimes you they're so fruity, you forget they're beers and they're a bit more like cider or a bit yeah. off. Or sometimes there's sourness to it, you know, if, if it is one of the kind of milkshake ones. Whereas actually, this is so fruity and packs the punch, but actually you still know it's a beer. And that is a really nice, pleasant mix. And, you know, I'd probably put it up there for us with like disco forklift truck or something like that to be fair it's that kind of fruitiness but also beer taste to it that i really like it so yeah i think that's a that's a solid hit song number one well i'm uh gonna disagree with one of your statements straight away okay because you said all four beers are drinkable incorrect okay. three three beers are drinkable one one i will never drink again and that beer okay is waggle dance uh, or yeah, lockets, I should say. It, you say it's it, not drinkable. I mean, it's no, just... Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll, genuinely, there's not enough there for me to drink that beer ever again, and I won't. It's okay. it, it basically yeah, reminds I, me of having a cold. That's the best way I can describe it. <laughs> where you can't really taste anything apart from that honey aftertaste from your uh, lozenges. That's exactly what it tastes like, and, yeah, it's a waste of money. Um, in third place, <laughs> I'm going to okay. go for Goose IPA. Nice, drinkable, easy drinking, something we have on a regular basis. But yeah, I mean, uh, for me personally, Green Mountain just edges it. So Green Mountain is in second place. I really enjoy Green Mountain. With that session aspect, It's there's subtle little flavours, which I obviously pick up a bit more than yourself. But with Green Mountain, I, will look, I go back to that on a regular basis. I really enjoy that as a beer. <clears throat> but yeah, when it comes to Top Dog... Um, juice Forsyth. Now, I don't personally think it's as high as some of the other ones we've had in the past. Um, I, I'm not quite sure why, just not quite as that perfect spot on. But as a beer, it is very beautiful. I will be having more of them in the future, and it's very, very enjoyable. Um, yeah, it's just overall nice mix, easy drinking. Um, that'll be absolutely banging with a uh, 
barbecue in the sunshine. So, if nothing else, though, I will commit us to this: is we'll definitely get some York beers on the podcast in future. <laughs> Actually, we could. Well, like, I didn't realize you hadn't tried that. Like any of the others, to be fair. So it's, we'll it's one of the ones that have always been on the list. I've never got around to buying them, mainly because I think the amount of beers that I buy. But <laughs> it's also, I think, for us now, we're socially distant as well. It's one of those that is a bit more readily available as well. Uh, yeah, as kind of thing, and and it is a you know, I, I've, I've not had a bad one yet, and I, I put yet there just in case. There's always on. one. There's always one, James. We know this. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, thank that's uh, episode twenty one. It was waggle waggle dance, honestly. I mean, to put the statement, this is perfect blend will make you want to dance that. Oh. It's just, no, yeah. just no. Uh, right, thank you very much. I say episode 29 isn't quite what we expected it to be because um, it was supposed to be our sub-special. We will be doing that in the future. Um, we've already actually got the stuff for it. It's just obviously down to locality at the moment. So uh, please bear with us, but we will give you an update when we're going to do that one. So stay tuned for that. But yeah, thank you very much for all the extra shares and all the extra followers. Uh, big thank you to everybody who donated to the charity head shave as well. Um, I think with the last donations that I need to add, it's actually raised six hundred and thirty-nine pounds. So I mean, wow, that that is insane. Yeah, I mean, um, you can all view the video of you getting your head shaved. Yeah, it's well. all on Instagram. Um, that goes to Birmingham Children's Hospital, and a lot of people have gift aided as well. So basically, they get extra money, which helps. Uh, like children and families who desperately struggle. So, uh, yeah, thank you for everybody for your generosity. The link is still on uh, um, bio in Instagram and Twitter. It's on the posts on the Facebook one as well. But, yeah, thank you very much for everyone who's donated. I really, really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, it will go to people who genuinely, genuinely need it. So thank you. But, yeah, so uh, now we're all set up and... We've managed to find you through the Witness Protection Programme, which will probably need relocated again. Uh, we are able to actually do our recordings again now, so we're all back onto our normal schedule. And, uh, yeah, we'll speak to you in a couple of weeks' time. Thank you very much. Bye.